This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Calm and by Manscaped. The last year of this pandemic has been pretty damn awful, but here in the U.S. at least, things have been really turning around. Mm -hmm. As Chad Kroger of Nickelback would say, look at this graph! But look at this graph. Just four months ago, the U.S. hit a peak of 300,000 new COVID-19 cases in a single day. The disease was wildly out of control. Throughout January, we were also averaging around 3,000 deaths per day. It was bad. Mm -hmm. The curve not only hadn't been flattened back when flattening the curve was something people talked about, it had just gotten curvier and curvier, like a, some sort of anime, uh, big titty anime... Uh, uh, waifu? Waifu girl, yeah. Uh, it was funny, because at the time, like, we look back on it now, wow, it was a year ago, but uh, the start of, the real start of the pandemic was, I mean, we tried for like three weeks, and then... Come on, guys, we got to flatten that curve. Literally... Every single thing that has happened after the first, like, three weeks in uh, March or April, or beginning, mid-March, beginning mm. of April, has been, like, some half measure uh, until, like, the wintertime when L.A. was like, okay, no one go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but in a lot of places, like Florida, like, nothing ever changed. The pandemic was three weeks long. But, hey, uh, look at us now. Look at us now. New cases have finally uh, dropped below even last July's peak, and deaths are almost as low as they've been throughout the entire pandemic. Now, it's probably a little too early to be saying, America is back, like Elliot does every day on Twitter. But uh, this massive improvement also coincides with a massive amount of vaccinations. As of this week, around 106 million people in the U.S., a third of the population, have been fully vaccinated by any of the three vaccines available. And providers are administrating around 2.3 million doses per day on average. 56% of the population over 18 has received at least one dose, and 83% of the population over 65 has received at least one dose. And remember, these old fuckers who don't give a shit about anything are the ones that we are protecting the whole time. Yeah. The ones who we're all staying inside for, but they go out to the Trader Joe's with their mask hanging down around their fucking neck. So they can smell oranges or whatever. You guys uh, back to doing samples yet? We're doing this for you, you geriatric fuck! Anyways, looking at this data, you're probably thinking that at this pace, it's looking like this virus is just going to be completely in the rearview mirror by 4th of July, just in time for white boy summer. Hell yeah. Except, maybe not. Yeah. Um, so as a country, we're overall in much better shape against this virus than we were before. But the expert consensus on whether the U.S. will be able to actually reach herd immunity is that uh, no. No, it probably will not. Mm. Um, and if you need a refresher on the idea of herd immunity, it's basically when enough of the population is immune to a disease that the disease has no way of multiplying. Even if someone gets it, the odds of it spreading to other people is so low that the disease basically hits a dead end. Yeah, herd immunity was visualized very effectively in a video by the PBS YouTube channel, It's Okay to Be Smart, using mousetraps and ping pong balls. And to show how, to, how a disease spreads in a population with no immunity, they arranged 500 uh, mousetraps with ping pong balls resting on them close together. And then they dropped a single ping pong ball, which set off a chain reaction that set off nearly every mousetrap. To demonstrate herd immunity, they used the same setup, but all the white balls here represent people who have been immunized. And the mousetraps those balls are sitting on aren't primed to snap. This time when a ball gets dropped, only a small handful of mousetraps go off before the chain reaction quickly stops. Now, earlier in the pandemic, experts believed herd immunity to COVID-19 would be achievable when between 60 and 70% of the population was immunized. But since then, because the virus has been given so much time to spread and mutate, 
Several other variants of the virus have now taken over as the primary versions of the virus that are spreading, and these variants are much more transmissible than the original vanilla standard COVID-19. And that means herd immunity will require an even higher percentage of the population uh, to happen. Uh, At least 80%, according to experts now. And that's looking pretty unlikely in the U.S. Some people just refuse to fucking get the vaccine. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, An article published in the New York Times on Monday breaks down why. Early in the pandemic, when vaccines for the coronavirus were still just a glimmer on the horizon, the term herd immunity came to signify the end game, the point when enough Americans would be protected from the virus so we could be rid of the pathogen and reclaim our lives. Now, more than half of adults in the United States have been inoculated with at least one dose of a vaccine. But daily vaccination rates are slipping, and there is widespread consensus among scientists and public health experts that the herd immunity threshold is not attainable, at least not in the foreseeable future, and perhaps not ever. Instead, they are coming to the conclusion that rather than making a long-promised exit, the virus will most likely become a manageable threat that will continue to circulate in the United States for years to come, still causing hospitalizations and deaths, but in much smaller numbers. How much smaller is uncertain and depends in part on how much of the nation and the world becomes vaccinated and how the coronavirus evolves. It is already clear, however, that the virus is changing too quickly. New variants are spreading too easily, and vaccination is proceeding too slowly for herd immunity to be within reach anytime soon. Cool. Yeah, which cool. sucks. Um, Very cool. Great. I, will, I, I, I do wonder, I'm sure that they have, but are they taking into consideration the people who got it and got over it as having antibodies that keep them uh, at least somewhat immune from catching it again? So I've read a few analyses of this analysis. Because in it's, LA... It's like, unclear. Yeah, so they apparently... Are, Across the country, it's about 30% of the population has had some degree of COVID. But mm-hmm. uh, they still don't know, like, how long your natural antibodies mm-hmm. are active. So it's like, you know, did anyone who got COVID last March, like, how immune are they? We uh, we won't know that for a while. Yeah. So um, I don't think they're really factoring that in. But it, it, it de- I mean, it would affect. Yeah, uh, at least in the short term. It, yeah. It, to some degree. And it, even if it's in the short term, that has to have an effect on the overall uh, immunity. Yeah. Uh, because the, the one of the reasons that L.A. looks to be so successful, uh, there, there was a, uh, an article earlier today that was t- comparing like uh, numbers from uh, the, the Seattle area of Washington and Los Angeles, where apparently vaccination rates are around the same. But L.A. seems to be doing a lot better. And uh, a lot of people pointed to the fact that uh, in November and December, it seemed to be around seven or eight out of ten people uh, had by that point either gotten it or had gotten and got it over it, so that there would be some sort of. It wasn't that many, but yeah, it was. It was pretty it was outrageous, high. though. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. To be clear, I mean this isn't the worst news in the world. Yeah. Uh, it is very frustrating news. COVID nineteen is on its way to being very much under control here, at least, but it's not going away. No. Uh, Doctor Anthony Fauci, he's quoting this article. He says. People were getting confused and thinking you're never going to get the infections down until you reach this mystical level of herd immunity, whatever that number is. That's why we stopped using herd immunity in the classic sense. I'm saying, forget that for a second. You vaccinate enough people, the infections are going to go down. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what seems to be happening, and that's good. But without reaching that herd immunity uh, threshold, COVID-19 will still be able to spread and mutate throughout the unvaccinated population, and that could mean stuff like... Uh, you know, annual vaccinations with the get, getting the patched vaccine that has, uh, you know, 
all the new the slow uh, release. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or you know, just like continued health guidelines, airport trips becoming more complicated, getting your temperature checked at sporting events, shit like that. That could be something that sticks around for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I some states, California, probably sure. A lot of states already not doing this. I don't think they're I mean, gonna I, like come I think, back around. I think it. air travel. It's this shit's not changing for a long time. Yeah, probably because, not. Uh, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, if you want this shit to go away forever, though, at least 80% of the population needs to get vaccinated. Just please talk to your friends and family. I keep trying. And if I keep arguing to the wall, you can too. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like, you know, it's just not happening. No. There's people who are just not going to get it, whether that's because it's harder for them to have access to it or they're fucking assholes. Because they're smarter than everyone else. Yeah. Uh, anyways, from the article, poll, polls show that about 30% of the U.S. population is still reluctant to be vaccinated. That number is expected to improve, but probably not enough. It is theoretically possible that we could get to about 90% vaccination coverage, but not super likely, I would say, said Mark Lipsitch, a epidemiologist at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Though resistance to the vaccines is a main reason the United States is unlikely to reach herd immunity, it is not the only one. Herd immunity is often described as a national target, but that is a hazy concept in a country this large. Quote, disease transmission is local, Dr. Lipsitch noted. Quote, if the coverage is 95% in the United States as a whole, but 70% in some small town, the virus doesn't care, he explained. It will make its way around the small town. And I was going to bring that up a second ago. It's like, okay, if all of the country is has reached this goal, but Florida is yeah. still just like, you know, jerking off into each other's mouths, no vaccine at all, yeah. then those people from Florida could very well spread it around. And it's, you know, when... The, the you're free to move about the world to go visit Europe and come back or whatever, which I think is already the case for vaccinated people. Uh, it's This has the potential to be messy yeah. and cause more problems. Yeah, it's this is true of the national side, just, you know, town to town, state to state. It is very true of the entire world. Mm -hmm. Look at this graph. Look at this graph. So COVID cases in the U.S. may be way down, but worldwide, they're the worst they've been at any point in the entire pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's fucking bad out there, yes. folks. Countries like India, Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Sweden, Turkey, and France are uh, really going through it right now. Uh, and a huge part of returning to normal is going to be not having to worry about international travel, allowing new variants of this virus to rapidly spread around the world, like the original virus very much did at the beginning of 2020, very fucking quickly. Yes. Um, so yeah, in the face of something like that, the high level of immunity here in the U.S., it's kind of really only a temporary win. If we reopen everything back up and you have travelers coming from these places that are still hot spots. Or Americans great. traveling there and coming back. Like, yep, yep. Like, uh, the good news is that, it, like we've reported on in the past, it seems to be the case that if you are fully immunized, you don't appear to be a carrier of the disease. Of the disease as it is right now. Yes, That's yeah. the biggest fucking worry that people don't seem to get is the longer you let this shit just... Roam around freely, it's going to learn... It's like a Katamari. Yeah, it learns <laughs> it new tricks. stronger. It learns a ba new bag of tricks. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, getting vaccines to the entire rest of the world it should be a high priority, but right now it apparently is not. And uh, you can actually thank the uh, newly single Bill Gates for a lot of that. <sighs> so this is a Kaiser Health News article from back in August of last year. 
Oxford University surprised and pleased advocates of overhauling the vaccine business in April by promising to donate the rights to its promising coronavirus vaccine to any drug maker. The idea was to provide medicines preventing or treating COVID-19 at a low cost or free of charge, the British University said. That made sense to people seeking change. The coronavirus was raging. Many agreed the traditional vaccine development characterized by long lead times, manufacturing monopolies, and weak investment was broken. Quote, we actually thought they were going to do that. James Love, director of Knowledge Ecology International, a nonprofit who works to expand the access to medical technology, said of Oxford's pledge, quote, why wouldn't people agree to let everyone have access to the best vaccines possible? A few weeks later, Oxford, urged on by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, reversed course. It signed an exclusive vaccine deal with AstraZeneca that gave the pharmaceutical giant sole rights and no guarantee of low prices, with the less publicized potential for Oxford to eventually make millions from the deal and win plenty of prestige. Um, cool. Uh, hindsight, though, the uh, whole AstraZeneca thing really blew up in a lot of people's faces. I mean, it sounds like even that stuff might have been overblown. It seems to have the same issues as Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, like people, I mean, yeah, there's concerns, but... But the problem with the AstraZeneca one was that their data kept being, uh, like, analyzed wrong, or they were using old data, and... It's, uh, compared to the other ones, it seems to be a bit of a dud, but, yeah, it's like, when it... Before it was the AstraZeneca vaccine, it was the Oxford vaccine, and the plan was to just give it to whoever wants it, because it's a fucking pandemic, and you want to get the vaccine out there, and Bill and Melinda Gates are like, you don't want to give away your intellectual property for free, do you? No, no, that was Melinda's idea. That's why we broke up. <laughs> anyway. He should play that card. Uh, last month, the New Republic, they published a very good long read about how uh, intellectual property laws are, are going to get millions of people around the world killed. And uh, Bill Gates's central role in why that is, uh, from that article, as of this writing in early April, fewer than 600 million vaccine doses have been administered around the world, three quarters of those in just 10 mostly high-income countries. Close to 130 countries containing 2.5 billion people have yet to administer a single dose. The timeline for supplying poor and middle-income countries with enough vaccines to achieve herd immunity, meanwhile, has been pushed into 2024. These numbers represent more than the catastrophic moral failure the director general of the WHO warned about this January. It is a stark reminder that any policy that obstructs or inhibits vaccine production risks being self-defeating for the rich countries defending exclusive rights and gobbling up the lion's share of available vaccine supplies. The truth repeated so often throughout the pandemic, no one is safe until everyone is safe, remains in force. 2021, 22, 23, 20. You better bully these people into getting this vaccine out there. We're not going to be able to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, goddammit. Yeah, that's like, so that's three years. Three years is more than, like, the amount that we've seen this virus mutate in one year. Yeah. Three years of this shit running wild in, like, the global south. That's a new virus we're going to have to worry about. You need to bully your parents, your friends, and most of all, Bill Gates. Bully Bill Gates. Yes. And his wife, Melinda. Yeah. His ex-wife. His ex-wife. She's single, boys. (laughs) Someone in our Discord sent a screenshot of them DMing her. Hey. (laughs) Yo, what's up? Uh, Anyways, the good news, at least, is that there's dozens of COVID vaccines currently at some stage of development. So vaccine supply problems will likely improve as time goes on. Uh, Still, if that Oxford vaccine was free for any lab on Earth to manufacture, things would be much better right now and for the foreseeable future. Anyways, uh, let's go back to that New York Times article about herd immunity. Uh, Over time, if not enough people are protected, highly contagious variants may develop that can break through the vaccine protection land people in the hospital, and put them at risk of death. Quote, 
That's the nightmare scenario, said Jeffrey Shaman, an epidemiologist at Columbia University. How frequent and how severe those breakthrough infections are have the potential to determine whether the United States can keep hospitalizations and deaths low or if the country will find itself in a mad scramble every couple of years, he said. I think we're going to be looking over our shoulders, or at least public health officials and infectious disease epidemiologists are going to be looking over their shoulders going, all right, the variant's out there. What are they doing? What are they capable of, he said. Maybe the general public can go back to not worrying about it so much, but we will have to. Thanks for carrying that burden. All right, bye. Yeah. Okay, so you're worried about it. I'm good, though? I'm good? All right. See ya. Most people gave this uh, whole thing three weeks. Some people gave it three months. Some six months. I gave it a year. I'm done. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. One year of my life. You want more than that? Yeah. Come on. I want to go to fucking Hooters. (laughs) They closed the one here. Yeah. Damn, coronavirus stole my hooters. The goddamn PC police and coronavirus police took away my restaurant. <laughs> you know, the wings were good. The ambiance was better. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, you know, this, this was the problem with this article, this New York Times article. It was getting passed around on Twitter, but most people don't have a New York Times subscription. So all they see is the headline and they're like, oh, we're fucked. And you get the sort of defeatist attitude where it's like, well, then why even bother? Get vaccinated. And like, that's bad. So there's been a lot of like good analysis of it being like this isn't the worst news in the world but like really you take you you look far enough down the road and it's like we are this problem is far from solved you want to see the next thor movie you better tell your parents to (laughs) shut the fuck up and get the goddamn (laughs) vaccine i know i will yeah and and bully bully bill gates and uh bully big pharma into just giving uh, the the outcome that i would love to see is that uh cuba is currently developing two Vaccines. Yeah. And Cuba is known for uh, being very generous with its uh, biotech. So it would be cool if uh, Cuba ends up saving like India and South Good. America and shit with their generosity. India is so fucked right now. India is in uh, real bad shape. Real bad. And uh, un- underreporting and uh, the horror, absolute horror stories coming out of that country right now, which is yeah. very bad. It's, I mean, I'm surprised kind of that it took this long. India was, that was a big worry. Such a dense country mm-hmm. at the beginning. It's like, oh, India's going to go up like that. Yeah. It took a little while, but yeah, it's bad. <sighs> Anyways, we got more news to get to, like uh, that Epic versus Apple trial finally kicking off. Yeah. But first, a word from this week's sponsors, starting with Calm. Uh, we all Something need this we now. Yeah. need after that last yeah. story. Springtime means looking forward to brighter days ahead, but you may feel like your mental health is still stuck in winter. If you're feeling blue or need a mental reset, it's the perfect time to give Calm a try. Calm, the number one mental wellness app, will give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Clear your head with guided daily meditations, improve your focus with Calm's curated musical tracks, and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. And if you go to calm.com slash tech, that is C-A-L-M dot com slash tech, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming and new content is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. For viewers of our show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tech. Go to calm.com slash tech for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That is calm.com slash tech. This episode is also sponsored by Manscaped. Breaking news, everybody. This is your pubic service announcement and the news that you have all been waiting for. You've been edging. 
edging for this news. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have done it again. They have successfully created, you're seeing it here, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This beautiful, luxurious new trimmer was yeah. released only moments ago, and we are among the first to get our hands on it. Mm -hmm. Just share, like the vaccine. And share the news. Yeah, that's right. But Canada can get it too now. Yeah. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. You will be blown away by the performance of this new 4.0. The craftsmanship and details, they are next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that you'd think Manscaped worked with NASA on this thing to make sure your testes are as safe as possible. But what makes this trimmer different from the other trimmers? There's a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. Oh, so no one thinks it's a vibrating dildo yeah. in your luggage? There's a uh, 4000K LED spotlight that can be turned off or on when needed for a more precise shave. Also, if you break down on the side of the road and you're in a pinch. Yeah. Uh, you can also customize your trim with additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. Okay. And uh, looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-toned matte and gloss finish and even features a hot foil stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. So you can show that mower off loud and proud. No, that's not a vibrating dildo. That's actually my... Uh downstairs trimmer. That's my pride and joy. <laughs> the lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Do we mention wireless charging? The lawnmower 4.0, yeah, it's got it. It's got a new wireless charging system, and it uses electromagnetic induction, which can also help keep the battery length last longer. If you're still trimming your face and balls with the same trimmer, it is time to make some changes. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Your balls will thank you. Again, that is 20% off and free worldwide shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, now back into the news. Uh, let's move on now from medical trials to legal trials, uh, because nine months after Epic threw down the gauntlet about Apple's App Store transaction commissions, the Epic versus Apple trial began this week. Uh, if you need a recap on what this lawsuit is even about, Wired sums it up pretty well. Uh, in its lawsuit, Epic Games, the company behind blockbuster video games like Fortnite, accuses Apple of having built a monopoly over iPhone and iPad games by requiring all apps to be downloaded through its app store. Apple uses that monopoly, the suit alleges, to extract unfairly high fees from developers, up to a 30% cut of all transactions, who have no choice but to use Apple's payment system if they want to reach its users. Epic makes similar complaints about Android in a lawsuit against Google that doesn't yet have a trial date. In its defense, Apple makes a number of counter-arguments, but the most important is this. The App Store is not a monopoly. People can download games in all sorts of other places like Android phones, gaming consoles, and desktop operating systems. Epic can focus on attracting customers on those platforms if it doesn't like Apple's terms of service. It continues. Resolving this dispute comes down to how Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers, presiding over the federal trial that began this week, chooses to define the relevant market. That's a crucial step in many antitrust cases because to prove a monopoly, you have to show there's a market that's being dominated. If Rogers accepts Apple's market definition, then Apple wins. In a market that includes Android, Xbox, and laptops, there's no way to say Apple has a monopoly on game distribution. And if it has no monopoly, Epic's other allegations don't matter. That means Epic needs to convince the judge that the market should be defined more narrowly as simply iOS apps. Apple, of course, has a 100% market share of distribution of mobile apps on its own platform. Some owners have hacked their devices to be able to run non-sanctioned apps, a process known as jailbreaking, but that's a tiny fraction of users. So if Epic wins on the market definition issue, it automatically proves that Apple has a monopoly. 
That is most likely the biggest legal hurdle that it has to clear. Uh, anyways, yeah, the trial started on Monday, and unlike some courts which have ad adapted to the pandemic by broadcasting their proceedings to YouTube, following uh, this trial meant having to dial into a public teleconference. Uh, and it sounds like whoever was manning that phone line did a bad job of keeping observers muted. Uh, from The Verge, more than 200 participants were dialed into the public line, with many screaming, Free Fortnite! Or, Bring back Fortnite on mobile, please judge! Please judge! <laughs> Uh, others played Travis Scott tunes, chatted away, or advertised their YouTube channels. I'm sure there was no shortage of people going, Sheesh! Sheesh! What is that? It's, it's, a, it's a, you know? I don't, is that a Fortnite thing? You don't know that? Sheesh! Is that like a heroin thing? Sheesh! No, you got icy veins, bro. Ice in your veins. I don't. I'm 35 years old. It's, uh, it's the kids. The kids do it. Anyway, here's, here's some Gizmodo's coverage. I think they actually mentioned what you're talking about. Oh, cool. About 35 minutes into the hearing, while Epic's legal team was still giving its opening statement, the audio suddenly cut out. Journalist Jeff Keeley's live stream of the hearing buzzed with people typing, the audio went out, into the chat. But one audience member figured out he was unmuted. Fortnite sucks! That person <laughs> yelled into the mic. Apple. <laughs> yo, 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 we can't hear anything, bro. The audio died or some shit. The same audience member went on to question if anyone else could hear him. While everyone on the line was unmuted, another person listening in confirmed this, the same person continued his commentary. Raise your hand if you think Sweeney is gay, he said, before adding, man, I'm going to hell for this. Jesus. I used to like playing Fortnite, but then they changed the game. Uh, yeah, the audio issues uh, not only included unmuted hecklers, but also the main audio feed of the actual trial kept getting muted for long periods of time. Uh, here's more from Gizmodo. After about 10 minutes into the dead feed, the court got the audio working again. But it wasn't long before the single-person peanut gallery chimed in again. Please don't free Fortnite! Uh, the lawyer continued on for a minute, but was quickly interrupted again by the same person breathing heavily into the mic and making what I can only describe as a drunk train whistling noises before shouting, Reddit! 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 So I think that drunk train whistle noise might be whatever the fuck you were doing. Uh, no, but it, it is all over now. I was just listening to the Dodgers-Cubs game on the way here, and it's like you couldn't hear anything because the entire like front row of people were just going, Shoo! Shoo! I don't like it. Uh, Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. <laughs> Do they should have said Dogecoin. Yeah, by Doge. Anyway, yeah, so far the trial itself has involved basically the arguments from both sides that you would expect if you've been following this saga for the last nine months, so nothing really that noteworthy. I mean, the amount of witnesses is pretty interesting. Everyone fucking hates Apple. Like, you got yeah. people from other companies, like NVIDIA, you got, like, everyone else in the tech space. Hey, they hate me, they hate me because they hate me. Yeah, I mean, that's Apple's defense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Oh, you jealous? Why don't you, why don't you make your own fucking entire, like, phone ecosystem, scrub? Oh, oh NVIDIA, you tried and all the game companies were like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. okay. Um, so, yeah, nothing really that noteworthy. There are, however, some interesting internal documents that have been revealed by the trial. Uh, for example, a June 2020 internal slideshow from Epic revealing a whole cast of skins that they are, or at least were, planning on adding to the game. Uh, these include Samus, Naruto, Katniss Everdeen, The Bride from Kill Bill, Snake Plissken, Sick. John McClane, awesome. Ariana Grande, hell yeah, <laughs> Lady Gaga, woo, LeBron James, and The Rock. Uh, there's also stuff in the deck about some sort of like NBA Finals tie-in featuring like an actual arcade basketball game mode. That's cool. So, like, NBA streets in Fortnite. 
like I said, we said this what two, three years ago that Fortnite is going to turn be, it into VR chat. It basically. is going to be web. What are we on now? Four or five where yeah. like it is an entire universe that it, people exist in. Totally. Um, but yeah, I really like the first of all the Naruto. Like just the run emote alone yeah. would make them a billion dollars. Got hold anytime you press the shift key. But yeah, Snake Plissken, like the special, his special movie, like just shutting down the entire world. <laughs> so sick. Uh, anyway, something else that's more rele- uh, relevant to the trial is emails from a few years back between Epic and Sony, with Epic trying to make some sort of deal with Sony to enable cross-play for Fortnite. And cross-platform play is basically the norm now, which is great. Yeah. It is. You don't know how lucky you are. Exactly. Uh, but not long ago, Sony was very much against it, and Epic was willing to bend over backwards to get Sony to allow it. This email features a list of concessions that Epic was willing to make. They're sharing data, doing a big cross-play announcement together, branding Epic's E3 presence with PlayStation, developing an Epic game for PSVR, PlayStation Plus exclusive items, and extending the favorable favorable terms of Sony's Unreal Engine 4 license. Very beneficial to Sony. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they didn't say like, I don't know, the, the bullet point about the Unreal Engine, they're like, we gave you the most favorable terms for Unreal Engine 4 that we've given anyway, which might be bullshit, but it's just like, it'd be a real shame if uh, during our next round of negotiations we uh, don't extend the same courtesy that we did last time. Yeah. I thought we were bros here. Come on. I mean, look, in a lot of senses, I, I can't help but side with Epic in, a, in all I mean, of they're this just doing negotiation. And yeah, Sony was being uh, kind of a little bitch about all this for they, a long time. They're using their, you know, massive amounts of money and power to technically get some pretty good shit happening in the games industry. Yeah. I think what the in the trial, like, Apple's side is presenting this as, like, Epic has always, they have a pattern of asking for special treatment while they're framing this lawsuit as like, you know, representing the common developer. But they've, they've uh, throughout time, like they even at one point tried to make a deal with Apple uh, to basically before all this shit went down, they, they tried to see like Apple, how much, how much you want for us to get, you know, just avoid the app store entirely. What's yeah. it going to take? So that's interesting. But yeah. uh, anyway, yes, yeah, so they, they made this big pitch to Sony. Enable crossplay. We'll do all this stuff for you. And Sony rejected all of it, apparently, and they were just super against the idea of any kind of crossplay. Um, but a document from August 2019, which is after Sony changed its mind about crossplay, gives insight into why they might have changed their mind. It describes a cross-platform revenue share system in which Sony receives royalties whenever a PlayStation player contributes more than a certain percentage to the bottom line of a cross-platform game. So. That's word salad, but Tim Sweeney explained it on the stand at the trial, quote, In certain circumstances, Epic will have to pay additional revenue to Sony. If someone were primarily playing on PlayStation, but paying on iPhone, then this might trigger compensation. Okay. So this is apparently the first time anyone in the public has learned about this deal. Um, And it sounds like Sony might be the only platform with this kind of deal in place for games that use crossplay. So that's very interesting. So what if a player primarily plays on their PlayStation, but they, like, log in on their phone to, like, buy some skin because it's running yeah, out of time. Yeah, or... Epic would have to, like, report that to Sony in some way, and there's, like, a math equation where they're like, okay, now you owe us this much money. Mm. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on to an update on last week's top story, the asteroid hurtle- hurtling directly towards Earth. Oh, no. On track to obliterate a large chunk of Central Europe in a simulation. The 7th IAA Planetary Defense Conference continued where it left off, with an asteroid headed to somewhere along this stretch of land, which includes parts of Germany, Czech Republic, Austria, Slovenia, and Croatia, and with not enough time to really do anything about it except keep tabs on it and prepare for impact. 
On day four, the final day of the conference, which takes place just six days before impact, details about the fake asteroid and where it was heading were narrowed down a lot more. The asteroid was found to be smaller than originally thought, which is good, uh, and its impact would be right near where the borders of Germany, Austria, and the Czech Republic meet, which is not a super populated area. It's a beautiful area, but uh, also cities as far away as Prague would potentially face serious damage, mm -hmm. so that's not good. But luckily, there would be enough time to safely evacuate the 150-kilometer radius around the impact. This year's exercise was unique in the fact that the fake comet was detected relatively late, with less than a year from detection until impact. So a key takeaway for participants was that detection is good. Oh. If the current under-construction Rubin Observatory in Chile or NASA's planned, uh, planned near-Earth object surveillance mission were active in the years before this fake asteroid, there would have been a lot more time to figure things out. And... Time is our best friend in these scenarios. Yeah, this whole thing seems like it was designed to be like, hey, those things we're working on, they'll save your life one of these days. Yeah, uh, it's great marketing for yeah. uh, funding for those. Uh, another planned technology that would help out with all those other things would be something like DART, NASA's double asteroid redirection test, which they're, they're planning on testing this out in 2022, and it's fucking great. Basically, NASA is going to crash a little unmanned spaceship into an asteroid and see what happens. Mm. Uh, if it works the way they think it will, it means that in just a few years, any asteroid that actually does threaten Earth uh, might not be such a problem. We'll just crash a little spaceship into it and fuck up its trajectory. And, yeah. Uh, you're welcome, Earth. Smart idea. Yeah. Uh, in another update to a story we recently covered, it's looking like Volkswagen's extremely poorly executed April Fool's joke about changing its name to Volkswagen may not be just some ill-advised goof in the eyes of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. <laughs> nope, you did it. You're stuck with it. And again, I said it back then. I'll say it again. They should do this. It's a great name change. Yeah. Well, that's that's why the SEC is mad. Yeah, at least in the United States, where the name, like, it's like, okay. Yeah. It means less to us. Sorry. Yeah. We don't even know Volkswagen. Yeah. What's a Volk? <laughs> I know what it is. As we discussed in our April Fool's episode, it was dumb enough that Volkswagen, a company notorious for cheating on diesel emission tests just a few years back, would think it was a good idea to joke about anything related to energy efficiency. But it turns out this joke uh, may have uh, pretty heavily affected Volkswagen's stock price. <laughs> yeah, so if we've learned anything about the SEC in recent years, it's that they do not like it when companies and their representatives goof around. The stock market is easily <laughs> disturbed. Yeah, the stock market is a, a it's one of the, do it's the dog down at the animal shelter. They're just like skittish. They're like, I mean, yeah, as long as you always approach him from the front and um, keep your voice down and do never touch him. He's yeah. a great pet. Gonna really, <laughs> really improve your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Elon Musk tweeted that he'd secured funding and was planning on taking Tesla private at the share price of $420, the weed number. <sighs> uh, that cost him a bunch of money and his seat as Tesla's chairman because that shit was a lie and it made Tesla's stock price go up off of false information. So similarly, Volkswagen indicating that they're embracing electric vehicles so much that they're changing their name after 84 years, that made their stock price go up by as much as 12.5% at one point. All based on a lie. A joke. <laughs> yeah, a, a bad joke. An April Fool's joke that they told on March 29th for some reason. That, that, that was probably the biggest thing. Is a lot of people were like, well, it's obviously not an April Fool's joke because it's not April 1st. They actually wanted to get out before April Fool's so that no one would be confused that it was a joke. Uh, the SEC, they don't like this kind of thing. And now, according to German magazine Der Spiegel, the SEC has opened an investigation into it. It's still early stages and at the very least won't cost Volkswagen nearly as much as Dieselgate did. 
But the biggest April Fool's brand fail just got a whole lot worse, and that is that is very, very funny. Uh, yeah, I hope this is a lesson to all brands to just just don't bother. I wonder what the, was it the cover story? Because the Der Spiegel covers are always fantastic. Uh, I, I don't think it was. I couldn't even access this article. They, they, you got to pay. Uh, I don't have any Deutschmarks. So, someone around. send us the, the cover of the Der Spiegel yeah. with the Volkswagen on the front. Yeah, they, get, they do have some solid cover art. Mm-hmm. Anyways, in other news... Two old internet properties that's out on the front porch that simply refuse to die have once again been sold off to a new nursing home, (laughs) AOL and Yahoo. Uh, Verizon bought AOL in 2015 for $4.4 billion. Uh, By the way, 2015 for that much money. And they bought Yahoo in 2017 for $4.5 billion. Ruined Tumblr. And uh, Verizon has now sold both of them as a package deal for $5 billion. Almost half what they paid. I'm surprised they got that much. The buyer is a private equity firm called Apollo Global Management, whose other properties include the Venetian Resort in Las Vegas and Michael's Craft Stores. So a real cohesive uh, brand identity down at Apollo Global. Um, And while it's crazy that either AOL or Yahoo are even alive as brands today, it's still crazier. Looking back 25 years and just seeing... How far they've both fallen. It is pathetic. It's crazy. Uh, AOL's dial-up internet was how most people first got online in the mid to late 90s. Before, uh, and before Google, Yahoo was the internet homepage and search engine. AOL's fall from grace is actually insane, though. In 2001, they purchased Time Warner in what was then the largest merger in U.S. history. Now it's just a collection of media websites like TechCrunch and Engadget that Verizon bundled with Yahoo as Verizon Media and then sold off. Uh, anyways, Verizon still got a way better deal on AOL and Yahoo than they did uh, two years ago when they sold Tumblr for less than $3 million, six years after buying it for $1.1 billion. Yeah. It was the porn. They ruined the porno. They ruined it. They took a great porno website and they ruined it. And now Twitter is full of all these freaks <laughs> running can- around arguing about shipping. And I don't know what that is. I cannot believe that Verizon was able to sell these off for that much money. Uh, it does kind of make sense. They sold AOL as an NFT. Like, hey, it's the You've Got Mail. Also, you own the company. Yeah, they, they said that you own every screen name as an NFT. <laughs> uh, the Yahoo thing kind of makes sense with the companies that bought it because, like we've said every time before, uh, the two things that Yahoo is still very good at is sports and finance. So all of their fantasy for- sports stuff that could eventually, when gambling is legalized, mm. which it was and should be again, uh, could wrap up into the casino business pretty easily, and also finance, which is essentially a giant casino anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe AOL kind of seems just like, yeah, while you're at it, can you take this? Well, they had to sell them as a package deal because they had merged them mm-hmm. into uh, Oath, <laughs> and then they were like, Oath's a terrible name. This is Verizon Media. So, they came as a package deal. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it, it's a collection of websites, basically. Collection of uh, respectable Mid-level websites. Well, good luck, Apollo Media Ventures or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the, the the co-founder of Apollo had stepped down very recently because it turned out he had uh, given Jeffrey Epstein $150 million for reasons. Quick, we have to do something <laughs> to get uh, our, our business out of that news cycle and into a different one. I don't know. Let's buy Yahoo. Mm-hmm. That'll do it. It's not going to cost us that much. Yeah. $5 billion. Do you see uh, the thing about uh, Triller? No. Uh, they're basically, they're like, we know who, uh, uh, illegally streamed the Jake Paul fight. You have one month to pay the full pay-per-view price or you're going to court. They lying. <laughs> Call their bluff. Yeah. Anyway, that's it 
for this week's Tech News Day. Mm-hmm. If you have not yet watched these two episodes over here. One please. involves uh, Matt Gates, which is a very serious but weird story. And one involves poop and kid all rock. over people's faces and mouths. So, you've yeah. been warned. Check both those videos out and we'll see you soon. Bye.